you who don't know, my name is Pastor Beck and I look after our kids' ministry here at Hills. But today I get to preach, which is very exciting. So we are going through the story, as Mark was saying before, and we are up to chapter 17. Don't put your hand up if you read it. I'm just trusting everyone did. (laughs) So as a church, I'll just explain quickly in case you are visiting. So as a church, we've been doing this 31-week series called The Story. The story is a big picture view of the whole Bible. We've been reading one chapter a week together. And if you have just joined us, we would invite you to join in on our reading plan. So we do have some on the back table. If you are interested, you can grab one after the service and follow along with where we're up to. So you haven't missed out. Still time to jump on board. Um, The chapters aren't too long. They usually only take about 15 minutes to read. So I've found this very doable because life is busy, right? Yeah. So it's awesome. I have loved this series. It is not a word-for-word biblical record, but it is designed to be read alongside the word devotional style. I've been really enjoying it since the story. It's sections of scripture that are put in chronological order, and so there have been parts that have stood out to me in new ways, because we don't always read them in that order. And it's amazing how that happens. I love that about the Word of God. It's alive and active. Amen? So... You know, it, it not only, it's not only living in the message that it brings, but it also produces growth. And so that's, that's a living thing, right? That's the, that's the definition of a living thing. I love that I can read a passage like 10 times and God will still bring something new. So over the past 16 weeks, we've been working our way through the Old Testament. We started in Genesis with God creating the universe, our world and mankind, Right from the beginning, God created man and woman to be in relationship and community with him. God's desire is for us to be in deep connection with him. However, creation was followed really quickly with humanity choosing to go our own way. And we read about Noah building the ark. In a world now filled with evil, Noah and his family were saved from the great flood to give humanity a fresh start. We read about Abraham being called by God and the beginning of the nation of Israel. Moses was used by God to deliver the people out of slavery in Egypt and then they wandered in the desert. God established a covenant with his people at Mount Sinai, giving them a new way to live and setting them apart from the nations that surrounded them. The Israelites came into the promised land and God gave them great victory over the inhabitants. Just as he'd promised, God caused the Israelites to prosper and he raised up judges, but the people turned away from God. They demanded a king like the other nations that they could see around them. And so Samuel anointed first Saul and then David to rule over them. God sent prophets to speak to the people and to turn their hearts back to him, but the Israelites were stubborn and selfish. There were many, many kings, like Mark was saying earlier. Some that followed after God and turned the nation's hearts back to him, and some that were evil, who let the surrounding nation's influence in, who worshipped idols and turned the nation away from God again. The kingdom ended up at war and then divided, with Judah in the south and Israel in the north. Like Pastor Mark said a couple of weeks ago, Israel's history is not a history of triumph. But God still had a plan. 
He continued to send prophets. He continued his redemption plan, waiting for his people to turn their hearts back to him. Last week, we heard from Pastor Nathan about the northern kingdom falling. He shared what happens when God's people drift away from him. Even though God sent warnings through the prophet Isaiah, the people of Israel were super stubborn and would not repent or turn back to God. And so after the war that divided the nation, Assyria, seeing that Israel's armies were now depleted, swooped in. They took advantage of their weakened state and they took the northern nation into captivity. They destroyed their capital city and they scattered the people. But God still had a plan. Pastor Nathan reminded us, and we can read in Isaiah, that our hope is in the Lord. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We can read the words of Isaiah, prophesied over 2,000 years ago, and still see hope for today. All right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come and be your church, to worship you together, to lift our voices in praise for the amazing things that you do for us every day. In a world that is full of terrible things and stress and distress and we see things on the news and it just breaks our hearts, Lord God, you are true and solid and there is hope to be found in you no matter what we are seeing in our world. So, Lord, we thank you for your great faithfulness. I pray, Lord, that you will guide my words, that you'll give me wisdom as I speak, Lord God, that you'll help all of us to have open hearts ready to receive from you today. Amen. So this week, we read chapter 17. These were pretty dark days and a pretty heavy chapter. Do we agree? Yeah, I finished. I was like, whoa, okay. So, the northern nation of Israel had a series of evil kings and still continued to live their own sinful way, becoming more and more like the nations that surrounded them. Assyria invaded, they destroyed their capital, Samaria, and the ten tribes of the north were exiled and scattered throughout the ancient world. So now, the story shifts from the northern nation of Israel to the southern nation of Judah, because that's all that's left the northern nation is completely destroyed. But sadly in the south, it is the same old story. Over a hundred years had passed since the Assyrian invasion of the north and now Judah was following in the same kind of plan that they had. The southern nation of Judah had many evil kings as well as some good ones like Hezekiah and Josiah who attempted to turn the hearts of the people back to God. And they did for a season, but overall... Judah was also headed for destruction. God sent prophets to warn the nation, but the people wouldn't listen. Pastor Nathan mentioned last week that Isaiah had prophesied the fall of Jerusalem. The prophet Jeremiah was called by God at this time of the story and the Bible. In Jeremiah 1, 4-5, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What a calling. Jeremiah worried that he was too young. But we can see that God used him in mighty ways during these dark days. 
Jeremiah warned of the upcoming judgment over and over and over and over again. He was known as the weeping prophet. He felt so deeply the burden of the people's sin and the upcoming consequences that they were about to face. Ezekiel the prophet also warned the people before Jerusalem fell. God called Ezekiel Israel's watchman. In Ezekiel 33:7, it says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. But the people didn't listen to Jeremiah or Ezekiel. And at the end of 2 Kings, Judah was invaded by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. And they destroyed the temple and carried off the people and the royal line of David off into exile. Ezekiel was carried off with the exiles into Babylon. But Jeremiah was left with the remnant and he witnessed the fall of Jerusalem. You can hear Jeremiah's grief in Lamentations 1, 1 to 3. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people, How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her, they have become her enemies. After affliction and hard labour, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations and finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Truly is lamentations, right? So the people didn't listen to the prophets that the Lord had sent. And 10 years after the first exiles were taken captive, Nebuchadnezzar brought the armies of Babylon into Jerusalem and they put the city under a two-year siege. This was a terrible time of suffering and destruction for the people. When Jerusalem was destroyed, the Jews lost all sovereignty in the land of Israel and Judah became a Babylonian province. But God still had a plan. Although both Jeremiah and Ezekiel spoke of judgment and consequences and destruction a lot, they also continued to have hope in God and to trust in his mercy. After the exile, both prophets changed their message from one of warning to one of hope for the future and of restoration. They spoke of their hope in God. Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And of course, a verse we all know really well, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you. Who has heard this verse spoken like a million times? It's a great verse and it brings a lot of hope. But if we jump back to verse four, we can read it in context because this verse was actually written to the exiles in Babylon after that had all happened. So from verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. 
do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God certainly hadn't written them off or forgotten about them, right? God still had a plan. He still had a plan for his people's future and a plan for redemption. We can see there's a promise in verse 10 that there will be redemption from exile after 70 years. And we'll hear about that return from exile in a few weeks from Pastor Nathan. So my story is going to stop right here. But there's a lot in this chapter. It spans 111 years. This is the darkest time in Israel's history. The northern kingdom is gone. They've lost their promised land. The people of Judah have been captured. And now God's chosen people are at the mercy of other nations. Their holy city, Jerusalem, has been destroyed, including the temple. And they've been taken into exile, away from all that they know and love. Things would have seemed pretty hopeless and bleak at this point. So here are some points that I took from our readings this week. My first one is, when it is hard to see ahead, look back and trust God. Now, this is a bit of a recurring theme through this series. You'll have heard all of the pastors bring this into their message almost. And, um, you know, it's okay because God repeats things in, it, in the word as well. And so sometimes that's really good to keep it in our heart and to remind us of that truth. We were discussing this same thing in small group last week, weren't we, Nath? Yeah. And so it's true. We can trust God. We can look through our Bible and see that he has been faithful to the people over and over and over again, right? So remembering the promises of God and Adam's point, forgetfulness being the enemy of our faith, are so true. Remembering builds our faith. Who has had the dream where they're driving in their car and they suddenly can't see? Anybody? Or is it just me and my craziness? Right. <laughs> so I hate that dream. It's super scary. And for some reason, you're not, you're not able to break. I don't know. Anyway, when we can't see ahead of us and it's completely dark, we feel overwhelmed and full of fear and apprehension. And this is what it was like at this time for the exiles. God's people being led out of their promised land and into captivity, it was a dark and hopeless time. When we look back in our own lives, we can recall how God has come through for us in the past. We have more faith at that point to bring into our current situation. The good news is that God never changes and we can rely on him to stay the same. He is fully reliable. I love that I can rely on God. 
When Nathan and I got married, his mum was in a pretty tricky financial situation. And so, as a young couple, we ended up with a $10,000 credit card to pay off. Um, long story, but that's the basis. So, Nathan was here in Australia on a fiancé visa and he couldn't work for six months. And so he was, you know, going over to the neighbour and doing some yard work and she'd give him 20 bucks and, you know, we were like, yeah, bring it all in. <laughs> I was working two part-time jobs, so we weren't raking in the cash. But within a year, we had paid it off. We had worked super hard, we had saved super hard, but it was massively due to God's provision and him stepping in and helping us in amazing ways. And at the end of the year... I just remember that feeling of like, we've done it, we've paid it off, and it was just amazing. Now, our anniversary was yesterday, so we're 18 years married. And over those 18 years, as most of you could probably identify with, we have had times of success with a lot of money in the bank, and we have had times where it's really tight, or Nath has lost his job and had to get another one, or you know, whatever. Life happens. But, you know, I can, I still get stressed sometimes, but I also remember, I can look back and go, God provided in amazing ways in year one. He can certainly provide in whatever year I am in now and whatever situation I'm facing now. Second point is, God is always pursuing us. God wants to be in relationship with us. He's always trying to draw us back to him. God knows that we have a tendency to drift. It's not a surprise to him. We can look through the Bible and see people drifted. We can look in our own lives and see times where we're not close with God. He knows. At the beginning of chapter 17, we read about an evil king called Manasseh. He had a good dad. King Hezekiah honoured God. But this guy Manasseh, he was the worst. He worshipped idols, he practiced divination, he built pagan altars inside the temple of the Lord, he even sacrificed his own son in the fire. It says that Manasseh led the people of Judah astray and that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. It also says in 2 Kings that Manasseh shed so much innocent blood that it filled Jerusalem. From end to end. He was a really bad guy. The Lord sent prophets to warn him and to turn the people's hearts back to God, but they ignored all of his warnings. Let's pick up the story in 2 Chronicles 33. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles and took him to Babylon. In his distress, he sought the favour of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea and he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. After everything that Manasseh had done, God forgave him. Not only that, but he reinstated him as king and brought him back to Jerusalem. Isn't that the character of our God? 
Absolute forgiveness. Absolute love, no matter what. It's very easy to think sometimes that we've messed up too much for God to use us. That we don't have what it takes to serve God or to be used by him. But if God can forgive Manasseh, change the course of his path, and then use his influence to actually change the hearts of the nation back to God, then he can forgive you and use you to further God's kingdom too. Just remember, God doesn't give up on us. We are the ones that step away from him. He is always there, always ready to draw us back close to him, into community and into relationship with our God. My third point is, you are never too far gone for God. In Ezekiel 37, we read about the valley of the dry bones. God showed Ezekiel a valley full of dry bones. Not wounded men, not dead bodies, but fully dry bones. No life, right? Pretty far gone at that point. In verse 11, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. In my Bible, which is the New Living Translation, it says, all hope is gone. These words are pretty strong. All hope, gone. There are times in life where we can feel this way too. We have all experienced dark times before, I'm assuming. I can say that I have certainly walked through seasons like this myself. In fact, after our adoption, I went through a season of depression and burnout. I'd been pushing too hard for too long. It had been two years of paperwork and social worker interviews and multiple applications and fundraising. I was working, Nath was working, I was studying. It was just a really busy time and we were go, go, go the whole time. And. I can remember my mum saying to me, Beck, you need to slow down. You're running on adrenaline all the time. But I didn't realise what that was going to look like. So after the adoption happened, we pushed through. God worked in amazing ways. It happened. Then we had to go to the US because we had adopted as Americans. We had to live there until Zion's citizenship for the US came through before we could come home. So most days, Nath would leave for work in the dark and come home in the dark. We were in the middle of snow. It was freezing cold. We were in a little cabin. It was like a two-bedroom unit, the size. Um, and this Aussie girl was missing the sun, let me tell you. <laughs> I felt super isolated. There were no friends or family close by for me to connect with. And without realising it, I started to slip into depression. Once we got back to Australia, which was crazy in itself, getting a house and everything organised, the kids back in school, we finally moved into our house and that's when I realised something was wrong. I had lost my hope. My spark was gone and I started to shut down. I remember looking at my diary and cancelling every single appointment because I just couldn't, I couldn't go out of the house I would drive the kids to school and I wouldn't get out of the car because I just didn't want to deal with anyone and then I'd just go home. It was a really dark time. 
The only thing getting me up in the morning was my kids because, you know, they're relentless. Thank the Lord. Um, But it was, for me, that was a time where all my hope was gone. I felt empty and hollow and dry. I could relate to those dry bones. But God had a plan. My journey back from there included some medication and some counselling and some time, but that's okay because God wasn't done with me and he isn't done with you either. God asked Ezekiel, can these bones become living people again? Let's read verses four to six. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you. You will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. Maybe you can relate to my darkest time and maybe you can't. Maybe you are feeling like your hope is gone. I know lately we've had a lot of calls through the office of people really struggling, struggling with cash, struggling with relationships. It's a difficult time for many. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety or depression. Maybe you've been struggling to find work or feeling overwhelmed by financial pressure. Maybe you have had a bad health diagnosis or you're shrouded with grief because you've lost someone that you really loved. Maybe you feel burnt out just by the stress of life because life is busy and full on. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling with your faith and you're feeling so far away from God, struggling to feel his presence. Wherever you are at, you are not too far gone for God. God has a plan for you. Just as God had a plan for the people of Israel, God has a plan for you and for your future. No matter how dark things may seem, our God is faithful. So we can look back and we can see God's faithfulness and trust that he'll continue to be faithful to us. We can rely on God never to desert us. He will always be waiting when we turn back to him. God loves you and he will pursue you. He wants to be in relationship with us. And no matter where you're at right now, no matter how dark things may seem, remember that God has the power to breathe his life-giving breath into you so that you can live the life that he's created you to live. God can restore our hope. God can restore your hope. I'd like to invite Pastor Mark and the team. They're going to do a song for us. And this is a song that you're all familiar with. It's not new. But when I was preparing this message, it was just put on my heart. And so at first, I just want to encourage you to stay in your seats and take this time to just reflect. Listen to the words. Spend time with God. Reconnect with him sit in his presence, stop, let your mind 
relax and slow down and focus on God. If you are feeling dry, if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you are needing this life-giving breath of God to be poured back into you, if you need your hope to be restored, take this time because our God is able. I'm just going to pray. Lord, we worship you, our ever-faithful God who loves us no matter what, who accepts us back no matter what, who sees the best in us, who has great plans for our future. Lord, I thank you for the hope that we can have in you. I pray, Lord, that you would work on our hearts that you would meet people where they're at today right now as we're sitting in our seats, that you would minister to us, you would bring healing to hearts that desperately need healing, that you would bring hope into situations that seem absolutely hopeless and dark. We invite you here, Holy Spirit. Help us to be open to you. Help us to just be in the presence of our God.